0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a
1: golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker,
0: you'll find what you came for here and more. So
1: ask yourself,
0: what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
1: Have you ever wondered what it's like to bite into nerds' gummy clusters? They're fruity, they're tangy, they're gummy, and they're crunchy. Nerds Gummy Clusters, a union of fruity, sweet, gummy, and tangy, crunchy nerds. Unleash your senses. Shop now at nerdscandy.com. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top-brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Another day is here, and you're ready for
0: it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
1: Hello and welcome to the season finale of One More Life, the gaming podcast from radiotimes.com. I'm your host Rob Lean and I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone that tuned in to our first batch of episodes. If you've enjoyed these conversations and would like to see us return in the new year, please do let us know. You can leave a review on your podcast app of choice and why not, you know, suggest someone you'd love to see come on the podcast in future. This week's guest is Lloyd Coombs, the editor-in-chief at GG Recon. He's a proper gaming expert and one of the nicest people you're ever likely to meet. Lloyd has played pretty much everything this year, making him the perfect person to help us decide the best game of 2023. So, let's load up that conversation. Well, Lloyd, thank you very much for joining me here in real life.
0: IRL, yeah. Hello. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. Yeah, very happy to be here in your uh, very shiny new studio. Yeah, it's nice. Reverb Studio. It's
1: nice to check out the clips on social if you want to see... A shiny new studio you'd
0: be mad not to wouldn't you really you'd
1: be mad not to as you may know Lloyd I do like to kind of travel back through time to ask people about the very dawn of their gaming experience what were those kind of first games that got you into gaming
0: it's a very difficult time for me as you can imagine Rob you know starting life with, uh, with <laughs> Crash Bandicoot Jonathan, <laughs> I was like where Jonathan, going that's a tragic origin sorry that's no, Crash Bandicoot that's it, that's nice. it. Uh, I played Crash Bandicoot around a friend's house when I was like five or six I'd just started school and um yeah, from there, it was like, oh, wait. So when when I press stuff in the controller, it reacts on the screen. It was that kind of like eureka moment, light bulb moment. But uh, yeah, no tragic origin story there, sadly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what did you think of they brought... Um they did like a new Crash in that like old style quite recently, right? What did you was it Crash Four? What do you think of that?
0: Crash Four was good. The, they did the the trilogy as well Remastered. I didn't realize how hard the old games were, and actually Crash Four made it a little bit more easy. Which oh, may, maybe think? maybe me being like over thirty now, I'm over the hill. <laughs> I, haven't got those, I haven't got those reactions I had when I was younger. But uh, yeah, it, the Crash Four was really good. And it was such a good looking game as well. Like it really did look. Almost like not Pixar level, but you know what I mean, like a yeah, DreamWorks I mean. animation style of Crash Bandicoot, which is really good. And yeah, there's those, like it's, it's little things, and it's the sound effects, it's the the crates breaking, and the womper like flying up into the HUD, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's little little things like that.
1: What's the, the noise that it makes? It's like ugulba, Something like
0: that. <laughs> I've got, the, I got the, the tattoo. i literally got a tattoo. I've got a Crash Bandicoot tattoo. Yeah, of um, Aku Aku. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, so the, like the ooga uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, I think just like this, the sound of like the, like when you jump on a womper, it's like pew. Like I, I can't do it. Oh, it's going to sound awful, but uh, you know I, I'm not I'm not a fruit. But I think, I think you should try and
1: do more sound effects. Let's try and do every sound effect you can remember from the game.
0: And there's like the, there's like the belly flop one where it's just like proper slapstick style when he just face plants the floor. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, that sort of stuff you know.
1: And they are they are like when you. Try and play them now. Like were they always oh, this difficult? Some of those. There's one where it's like, is it some kind of like big fence thing, and you're like trying to climb up to the top. That of one it?
0: was tough, yeah. And then like not long after that one, there's the rope bridge one. It's just like you're just constantly moving forward, but bits of the rope bridge are falling apart. There's there's weird bits where you have to like jump on the ropes themselves, but there's other bits where you can't jump. It's like it's almost like it's made for breaking the game in the way that like speed runners would. Yeah, just an absolute nightmare for your level. And I, do you know, I, th- I don't think I actually got past that level. I think I ended up just uninstalling <laughs> in a bit of a huff. You know, so, as yeah, so, a game meant for six-year-olds as well, is not it? So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess it would have been on a disc then. He would have just Imagine thrown the disc out a window. Yeah. Would be the equivalent <laughs> of uninstalling it.
0: Video games on a disc. Yeah, no. I don't, to, to, to confirm, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I finished it when I was a six-year-old. And then, yeah, just at, at the age of like 30, I just, I just can't um, do it anymore.
1: <laughs> fair. Am I right? Isn't Crash Bandicoot wasn't that Naughty Dog, which is weird to think that now they're mm. making real, like proper, like big s- cinematic yeah. games are getting turned into HBO shows that they started out with. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it?
0: It's that and Jack and Daxter was Naughty Dog, and then um, obviously then Uncharted, which was quite a big, th- quite a big deal for the, the I guess the PS3 generation and and into PS4, and then yeah, that small game called The Last of Us, I, I suppose. But like, I feel like they're just destined to make and remake the same two games over and over again. Now, like we've just had The Last of Us Part One. Remake. Now we get the Last of Us Two remastered. Like, what are we going to get a re-remake of <laughs> Part One again? But yeah, it's it's weird how that studio has gone from like the little marsupial in the denim shorts to the horrific violence in the Last of Us Part Two.
1: I two said horrific violence. I was I was about to say, yeah, it's quite a thing to aspire to, isn't it? To go from being a little marsupial <laughs> into being like Nathan Drake.
0: Or it's something. a big old glow up, isn't it? <laughs> going from going from like that that bridge level to like. I like, like, I mean, what's the most memorable bit? I guess the giraffe bit in the first yeah. Last of Us, like that emotional moment from, you know, the humble begins of Crash Bandicoot. But it's like um, Insomniac as well, though. Like they, I they're kind of parallel them with Naughty Dog a little bit in that they started off with that kind of like mascot platformer thing and now they're, they're doing Spider-Man and they did Sunset Overdrive, which is just like criminally underrated and that kind of stuff. And they just, I mean, they do Wolverine next and yeah. What, what a studio, eh?
1: <laughs> Shout out to Sunset Overdrive as well because that's kind sort of like, it's almost like their prototype Spider-Man, right? So like you can see how they got, they went from that to then getting the license yeah, to do Spider-Man. It's like open so much, world, yeah, traversal yeah. around. Like,
0: yeah, and like the way you can start at one end of the, the city and just not touch the ground until you get to the other end. Like, it's such a Spider-Man style thing. And it had that weirdly like Deadpool sense of humor as well, like that fourth wall break as well. So it's almost like the best the best Deadpool game as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the actual Deadpool game.
1: I, that actual Deadpool game, I remember quite liking it. I don't know how well it would hold up, but I remember liking it at the time.
0: I don't think I played it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: was alright. It was like a, what's the name? I think it is the guy who does Nathan Drake is also Deadpool. Oh Nolan North! Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it's him. I remember it being pretty funny, but then the gameplay actually being quite difficult. Um, Do you remember there
0: was like a decade where he did every voice ever. Yeah, like you'd come home and your mum would just have Nolan songs <laughs> voice. It's weird, isn't it? It's
1: um. <laughs> weird. That's like the plot of a Doctor Who episode or something. <laughs> the day that everyone became Nolan North, or like being John Malkovich but with, yeah, being Nolan North. Over the course of your life, Lloyd, are there any particular games that you think these are the ones I've spent the most hours with or the ones that I've I've loved the most kind of thing?
0: Let me tell you about a little game called Destiny, Rob. <laughs> a what? <laughs> you seem so surprised. <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously uh, Destiny is is still going now. It's, I mean, the first one was 2014, second one 2017, if I remember correctly. Uh, I've put thousands of hours into Destiny. And the thing with, with Destiny is if you play a lot of Destiny... You still don't know if you like Destiny or not. Like <laughs> it's this weird thing where you just keep playing, and you're like, you have those dopamine hits, and like there are obviously amazing moments. I'm just kidding, like, but also it's almost like a job. <laughs> you mm. kind of get to the end of the week, and you're like, cool, the activity's reset tomorrow. Can't wait to do the exact same thing again. But you do it because it just feels so good. And yeah, I think um we were chatting earlier about that kind of like lizard brain thing some games have, like. Destiny for me is that is that like little treadmill and it's, it's a carrot on the stick where I'm just like constantly and I get that little bite of that carrot and I'm like, cool, I can play for another 100 hours now. And another little bite after that's another 100 hours. And then before you know it, you've put like three, 4,000 hours into it. So <laughs> and that's just Destiny 2 as well. So that's a lot.
1: <laughs> and like what do you, for doing each little thing, is it kind of like a, you unlock more cosmetics and stuff like that? Is that? What, what's like, the, what's your reward for, for doing all this stuff? So
0: there is the cosmetic aspect. But a lot of it is just like better weapons, mm. more kind of exotic weapons. So you get things that, you know, you get certain weapons that will do, I'm just trying to think of like a, a random example off the top of my head, but like, you know, there's the, one of the more recent exotic weapons is like an assault rifle. And then if you hit people with it enough times, it starts firing rockets as well. And it's just <laughs> like, then you go into like the the PV or the PVP combat and you just feel like an absolute God because you've got this new weapon and you just want to test it out in every way you can. And it's that kind of thing, and then as soon as that weapon starts to get bored, you get that drop of like another new weapon, and so you're constantly shifting. And yeah, it's there's nothing like it. It's still, like so many companies have tried to put out their own destiny. You know, like we had Anthem, we okay. had the, uh, the Division Two. I think was a really, really good attempt as well. Borderlands was before Destiny, and, uh, and arguably a little bit less online. But no one's really done the same as what Bungie's doing, and obviously, Bungie's kind of in some hot water at the moment, as most of the most of the industry is. But that game just it just keeps going. And I hope, it, I hope it keeps going, but I wonder if it might be in trouble. I don't know.
1: And Lloyd, how did gaming become part of your professional life? I think I met you quite early on in your gaming career journey, but I'd love to hear the whole thing.
0: Yeah. So I was working for an unnamed local council. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put anyone on the spot. Uh, and I was working in licensing, um, so dealing with bars, restaurants, that kind of stuff, but also doing environmental health. So... Uh, <laughs> The fun police, essentially. <laughs> when, when you had a, you know, a noisy night, you'd uh, you'd call us up and we'd go and tell your neighbours, turn the music down. And I'd been doing it for uh, a couple of years. But uh, sort of at the same time, I'd been working on a blog. Uh, I remember reviewing Overwatch when that launched and that kind of stuff. And it was just fun, really. It was only when I went, met my partner, I was kind of like, oh, I feel like I'm kind of in a bit of a rut at work. She's like, why don't you just like reach out to us? Like, what's the worst they're going to do? Say no. Like, So I reached out to a few sites, started Basically, just writing for free, just doing a review here, review there, and like naturally, I sort of like start off small. So there were some some stinkers that I had to review, which, uh, you know, was rough. And then from there, I started writing for the Daily Star a little bit. For uh, for anyone that doesn't know, is obviously one of our biggest national newspapers. That was obviously very exciting and kind of led to more opportunities. And then that's when uh, we met because we went to the. Division 2 press trip, didn't we? We went to Paris and it was freezing cold in January and...
1: Yeah, it's like, you start telling the anecdote and it's like, oh, we went to Paris. It's like, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, we stayed in quite a nice hotel. Oh, it sounds great. Yeah, they they put on some food and stuff for us. Oh yeah, and then the event itself was in a freezing cold car park.
0: (laughs) I don't think I've ever been so cold in my life. Um, It was like, like, we could see our breath, couldn't we? We were (laughs) sat there like playing Division 2, but also being able to see our breath and like, (laughs) there were little heaters, but we just wasn't, but I guess the the aesthetic matched with like the game. Mm. Because
1: yeah, it's like a slight apocalyptic vibes. Yeah, yeah. um, I remember gathering. I don't know if I've remembered this one, but I remember standing around like a uh, steel drum of fire. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that was that was what
0: we did. Yeah, which was which was very true to life. If if that had been in New York, then that would have been division, wouldn't it? So, um, yeah. uh, So that was that was our first press trip, and obviously our first time meeting. And then I actually freelanced for you for a bit, didn't I? When uh, in one of your previous roles, and and then. An opportunity came up to join Daily, well, not Daily Star, but J parent company. Went for that. Uh, Didn't work out after five months. But by that point, I'd kind of got the experience to go freelance full time in uh, January 2020. And you know, you're thinking nothing's going to happen. What
1: is going <laughs>
0: What could go wrong? Starting my own business in January 2020. And then obviously COVID happened. But I was quite fortunate in the fact that I just started working from home. I'd already got the stuff I needed to work from home. I just carried on working from home. Um, so I was writing for Gfinity um did that for quite a while worked my way up to to deputy editor essentially there um and then had the opportunity to go to deserto uh which was an amazing experience as well uh so did 18 months there and then now at gg recon which is essentially a startup in a lot of ways you know they're, they're very young i say they're we're very young in the space you know very very new but we've built ourselves up quite quickly you know game awards panel which i'm really proud of and i'm really proud of of you know, how quickly we've kind of put ourselves out there and, and kind of built up a, a really good kind of roster of writers, really amazing teams, social stuff's amazing and um yeah, and, and being editor in chief is also super weird as someone who I as I say, up until twenty nineteen wasn't in this industry at all. Um so I, you know, I had to kind of pinch myself every day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been it's been a, a, an absolute roller coaster and, and as I mean, as you know as well, you know, I'd only been in the industry for a few months and then my son was born as well. So like being a new dad, juggling Essentially, keeping my family supported on freelance and then obviously having the opportunity to, to go to Gfinity and have sort of a more concrete thing was a big deal for me as well. I do kind of miss freelancing in games sometimes just because you you almost never know what you're going to cover. I don't know if mm. you were ever like that. You're just like, I don't know what it's going to be today. And obviously, I actually don't get to write as much nowadays because I'm more kind of managing and content strategy and all that fun stuff. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> fun stuff. Not actually playing games for a living as as most people would, uh, would have expected. But um, yeah, it, it's... At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See centre for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
1: This year in particular, to get on to what I assume will be the the headline topic of the episode, is, you know, Games of the Year 2023. I feel like this has been a particularly stacked year, right? There have been a few. Yeah, there's
0: (laughs) definitely been a couple of good games. Yeah, uh, no, it's been... I, I was we were kind of having this discussion in our in our team Slack of like can you remember a year as good as this and like the only one I can think of and, and this may be because I'm of a certain age but uh, 2007
1: you were going to say that <laughs> 2007
0: like what a year I think that's
1: like a meme there of all the different box yeah, right? yeah, yeah. and it's
0: just it's just what a year that was I think this might be better
1: mm.
0: but I don't know I don't know if that's that's me just having that recency bias
1: yeah you know but also, like, we're in a different, you know, console generation and stuff now. It's definitely the best year we've had yeah. in kind of the current setup of the, the oh, industry yeah, as we know it. So hit me with, what would you say are, like, your big hitters of the year, your personal f- games of the year?
0: See, this is terrible because I, unless I'm playing something for a review, I've not finished that much this year. So I'm kind of, like, putting myself, putting myself out there now. But Baldur's Gate was, was like, a, a big one for us and and, you know, that's one GG Recon's game of the year because the team just absolutely adored it. I've put in like six hours and I'm like, oh, I don't want to start again, like do a new character because I'm not sure about this one. But, I, you know, I, I keep coming back to it and I almost get a bit scared to jump back in because I I will not work. I will not do anything. I won't go out of the house. I will just play <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of still so early on. Who else was there this year? Uh, Zelda. So I am not a Zelda fan. I never had a Nintendo Console growing up until I got a Switch, so Breath of the Wild was was like I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really for me. But something about Tears of the Kingdom just clicked, where it was almost like teaching you to color outside the lines, like mm. the the way you could solve each problem, and it, it felt almost like an immersive sim, like a Dishonored or a Deus Ex or something like that. So, uh, and those are kind of games that I adored in the past. So I think kind of looking at it through that lens, I found much more to like in Tears of the Kingdom. I know you love Tears of the Kingdom,
1: right? Yeah, Tears of the Kingdom. And speaking of like. You mentioned Recency Bias a second ago. I think if Tears of the Kingdom would come out in, like, October, I think, or, like, November or whatever, I think it would be, you know, a lot more still at the front of people's minds and mm. probably be at the top of a lot more lists. Or not, nothing against Baldur's Gate 3, because I've played a little bit of it, but I've seen, I don't know, I think over 100 hours of it over my wife's shoulder, because she has become fully <laughs> fully immersed in that world. And um, even to the point where I think she got, I don't know, about 30 hours in, and got to, you know, act two of the game and uh, realised, actually, you know, I'm not levelled up in quite the way I I want to be. I've not built my character quite the way I want to be. And without even it being a negative thing, she's like, you know, I think I'll just start again. It's like she was enjoying it so much. And like, from everything I've seen, it's basically, it looks to me like it's about, I don't know, 20 like normal sized RPG games like stitched together. Yeah. But every like evening when I look over and see what bitches that's like well now you're surrounded by a completely different set of of characters there's a whole new story going on you know you've progressed all your relationships with these supporting characters it will look you know and sound very well acted well written got like deep backstories compared to like some games where the side characters literally just kind of stand there and do nothing yeah it just looks like so deep and detailed in such a wide world I can see why Baldur's Gate 3 I think will be most people's game of the year. But in terms of ones I've personally enjoyed the most, I've spent more time with Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And like you, I had Game Boys and stuff growing up, but I didn't have, like, a Nintendo Home console. So I missed all the Zelda stuff, other than, like, you'd sometimes go around someone's house and they'd show you, like... I don't know, Majora's Mask or something, you're like, I do not understand what you're trying to show me.
0: (laughs) Why is the moon so angry? (laughs) Yeah, or there's one where he's like,
1: time travels back into being a child and then back into an adult or something. Yeah. And I was like... That's Ocarina
0: of Time. Yeah, and I'm
1: like, oh, yeah, he's playing like a little... ...ocarina, little flute thing. Like, these games just look so weird. And like, not being able to play them yourself, it's like, that's just a weird game my friends have got. I don't really get it. But then...
0: There's Nintendo fans listening to this screaming.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Some of them work in, in this office as well. But tears of the kingdom i played a bit of breath of the wild and like you you know i thought this is a pretty good game but by the time i got around to breath of the wild i think its influence had already spread throughout the industry and i'd seen lots of other open world games that are kind of similar i'll do things in whichever order you want kind of thing so i was kind of like oh yeah it's good but i've kind of seen you know horizon zero dawn and stuff have kind of taken that structure and done it in a much more you know high res much deeper story kind of way so i was kind of like expecting to be similarly sceptical about Tears of the Kingdom but in reality like you say I was absolutely blown away by it because it's like people were like oh you know they're just reusing the same map again but actually they've also got a pretty sizable sky map like quite a few different islands that you can kind of travel up to and then you've got the full ground level map which has been kind of as much as probably the same shape every area has kind of been redone and all the stories have moved along in all the different areas but also there's this entire underground world. Yeah. So it's like, it's actually kind of, maybe not quite triple. But... And
0: the underground's quite scary as well. Yeah, it is scary. Because like, you creepy. you can only really kind of stay there for a certain amount of time, really, can't you? And you kind of have to find your own light sources and that sort of yeah. thing. I almost don't like going down <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's not my favourite part. But, again, like you were saying, I think the way that it teaches you to think outside the box, and not even that, it's like, it doesn't, it's not like, I mean, puzzles in most games that have puzzles in them It'll be, you know, a little mini game or it'll be, you know, you've got to get this ball into this hole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might be a little like thinky bit where it's like, oh, how do I get it through that thing? Oh, I press that button and that. Oh, I need to weigh down that. But, you know, it's really to describe a puzzle to you. Um, but, but like <laughs> the Thinky bit, got me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in like, Into of the kingdom, it's more we're going to just re- repeatedly put you in scenarios where you can probably see straight away, like, oh, I need to get up there and press that button. It's like, well, you've not given me anything mm-hmm. to do that, but Throughout the game, you learn these different abilities. You have one or two of them right at the start, where you can, you know, move up op- objects around and fuse them together and stuff. And what it actually wants you to do is, you know, be creative and be like, hey, "There's a button up on that ledge. We're not giving you a ladder. Do you want to build a flying device, or do you want to catapult yourself up there, or yeah. do you want to, you know, go around and find another way to get up there?" And it's just like a thousand little moments like that, where it's like, "You've not just." It, I mean, these days a lot of games will just put a little yellow rectangle on your screen and just point you here's where the next thing is here's where the next thing is yeah whereas tears of the kingdom is just like you're in a situation you can just a you can just run away if you want to but you can probably work this out if you put your mind to it and think about the skills we've given you i think this is maybe what i've written my review it almost wants to teach you to be a game designer yeah and it's like so how what kind of solution would you build to this i think problem? it's
0: it's quite telling that both boulders gate and uh tears of the kingdom also tears as in like you know layers of the uh, kingdom, yeah. See, for the up the sky world, and the I, I, someone mentioned that the other day, I was like, it completely blew my mind. Um, <laughs> you, your mind doesn't look very blown, so I guess you no, I was not. like,
1: well, it's spelt differently. It? <laughs> I
0: know, I know. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's very telling that both that and Baldur's Gate have so many moments that make you feel smart, yeah, and you're like, oh. I, I bet no one else did. In reality, they've clearly, you know, accommodated every single play style, which mm. is just almost mad. Like when you, I was just, there was like that meme when Zelda came out where everyone was just making, like every every puzzle solution was like, make a giant bridge. Just, yeah, like, yeah. just like make a giant bridge <laughs> from one side of the map to the other pretty much. And um And it's like that was completely viable just as much as, like like what you're saying, like catapulting yourself at something or, you know, uh, making something fall on something else. And the physics of it were just so impressive as well.
1: People were making like megazords and stuff, making like giant laser firing robots and stuff. I I could barely make a bridge. but
0: Yes, (laughs) I was was really happy when I got like my first little boat together and I was like, oh, that's good. And I got (laughs) on the internet and I was just like, oh. That's what people, people, as you say, people are literally making like mech suits, and they work. Just like <laughs> really, come on! Made likely, um... <laughs> I felt so smart until I went on the internet. I remember
1: seeing one that was literally like a um, Avengers helicarrier type of thing. So it was like <laughs> a flying platform that they had smaller little like you know like one man ships you could kind of go go up on your <laughs> helicarrier and then fly your ship the rest of the way kind of thing and I was like yeah I was proud of myself when I made a big box to yeah. climb on <laughs> <laughs> when I made a step yeah um,
0: actually there was there was another game this year that had um, some really good crafting and and no one's talking about it because it kind of like fell by the wayside but I don't did you play Wild Hearts
1: no, I didn't play it.
0: So it was a Monster Hunter clone, essentially, from EA, of all people, and Koei Tecmo. And the kind of USP of it was, like, you could make stuff out in the world. And so, like, you get this bit where you, like, create this massive, like, almost, like, comically large, like, Looney Tunes hammer. It just <laughs> kind of, like, swings back and decks a monster and that kind of stuff. And it felt like it was a good year for, like, games where you kind of find your own solutions to things, mm. which I think, going off on another slight tangent, was was what the shame of Redfall was, is that, like, Arcane games have always been really good at that. Like uh, I mentioned Dishonored earlier, that kind of like make your own path and like find your own way and like here's the tools you use them however you want. Whereas Redfall was very by the numbers and I think aside from like the technical issues, I think that was probably my big big disappointment of the year was just like, it was a year where we could go creative and and, like go mad with all these different tools but Arcane wasn't even at the table Mm -hmm. and it was such a shame because they are so good at that. Like even Deathloop, which, you know, isn't my favorite Arcane game had those kind of like multi-layered solutions and like various things systems on top of systems on top of systems and uh you know to have Redfall come out and basically be like a very generic kind of open world shooter was a big disappointment for me
1: yeah and I would put Baldur's Gate in that that pile of games from this year that are basically kind of prioritized player freedom and player creativity as much as it's not a game uh, about building things but you're building your character in so many different ways and the amount of different you know types of character types of class types of things you can kind of collect and level up and it's like it's probably one of the deepest character creating experiences I've ever seen yeah and um yeah that's that's, we might get onto this later that's one that I would love to spend more time with over Christmas actually it's just like just commit fully to my, if my can, Dragonborn if, bard. If, if you can get the wife
0: to you play it. <laughs> well, this is the thing, now we've got <laughs> it's it on two different... my turn on, on. The PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> this is
1: why I've also got it on Steam Deck. Ah, OLED smart. now, So we can have... And I've got cross-save set up. Ah, um, so mate. if she ever does vacate the PlayStation, <laughs> I, could, I could theoretically play on there as well. <laughs> but yeah, other games this year. I know you mentioned before that you were probably more into this year's Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 3, yes. than some people were.
0: So this is a game that was... Maligned quite heavily because it has the sort of two and a half three hour campaign. I've not touched the campaign. Couldn't say. We obviously like have reviewers and that that played that. But I am hooked on multiplayer for the first time in a Call of Duty game since probably, and on, on this level like Modern Warfare Three, which I think was twenty eleven, like, like the, the, original, the original Modern yeah. Warfare, story, which is just mad to me like especially as someone who is as I keep saying like I play a lot of games I play a bit of each game but I keep coming back to this year's Call of Duty and part of that is because I'm in a very easy mark for the 2009 maps that are in the game like all the maps in the game at the moment they might have added some new ones to season one which at the time of recording was like last week but <laughs> it's, it's just like rust it's favela it's terminal and like you don't realise how nostalgic you are about these maps until you? you've not had them for so long and Call of Duty maps have arguably gone a bit less exciting uh, and perhaps less realistic as well and just being able to just like run around those things like I'm 19 again (laughs) it's just it's it's giving me a whole new level and and I, we mentioned this earlier but like the sound design is so good every gun just hits right every kind of like when you get the award come up like you got a double kill or whatever. like you, those kind of things like, or you completed this challenge it just feeds that dopamine rush and I have such an easy mark for that like we were talking about Destiny earlier like I play a lot of Destiny because it is that dopamine rush like constantly and and Modern Warfare 3 is just hitting so right for me like the movement's great I mentioned the maps already It's it's weird because like all the weapons from Modern Warfare Two, which was last year's gamer in as well, so balancing's a little bit precarious at times. But yeah, I'm, I'm like I've not got any no scope headshots yet, sadly. So I can't I can't go pro yet. But I have got some really good. Kind of like I've had some matches where i have like I've never lost it. I've still got it. I've still got it. <laughs>
1: nice, nice. I think it is cool, like having like the classic maps and having that feel, but adding to it, you know, all the enhancements they've made to their like gunplay over the years. Being mm-hmm. like you're going to use your you know, amazing modern, you know, graphics and gameplay, that we're going to put it in the, yeah. the maps that you remember.
0: And there's things like the, they added mounting in um 2019's Modern Warfare reboot, which was like you can put your gun on a surface and oh, it, right. it reduces the recoil, but obviously you're then less mobile, you can't run and and you kind of can't move forward or sideways, you can only move backwards. And it's weird how, like, the maps from 20, 2009 are so good that you can add that in and they still feel just great to play. Like, it doesn't feel like it's breaking it or anything like that. And I think that's really kind of testament to how good those maps were. Like, what, 14 years ago? Oh, my God, it's 14 years. <laughs> yeah, and I, as I say, I just feel like a 19-year-old like again. It's just, yeah, it's incredible.
1: <laughs> nice. Another game that you mentioned is one that you really liked this year, and I really liked what I saw of it as well, uh, Final Fantasy sixteen. What the game? Adventures of Clive Rossfield. Um, <laughs> I've what... never
0: been so invested in a bloke called Clive. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: what were your thoughts on that one?
0: I'm still to finish it. Actually, I'm, I'm near the end though. That's kind of mentioned earlier. Like having a kid, and he's he's just started school, which means there's like more time in the day. But obviously, I'm working. So, it's, but. For me to put in 60 hours into a into a single player RPG, which I have done already and still not finished it, is like really rare for me just because of that caveat of like being a parent with a young family. But Final Fantasy 16 has just caught me in a way that I haven't felt since 10, I would say. Like, I love 10. Seven's my favorite of all time. Like it's one of my top games of all time. You know, uh, got one of the songs from the soundtrack at our wedding next year and all that kind of stuff. But 16 is getting close to that for me and I know it's going to jump the shark at some point I've seen people saying like at some point it just kind of like throws out all the political intrigue and goes a bit wild but um, for what I've played so far it's it's so good and like the boss fights are just like I couldn't even tell you which one's my favourite because they're just so good like there's literally like you're fighting a dude who's the size of a mountain he's literally like a mountain <laughs> of a man and, uh, and then you've got like the various kind of dragon things going on Honestly, like there is so much to. I, I'm not surprised it was sort of like baking PS5s at launch. You know, I think they've patched out <laughs> some of those performance issues, but yeah, Final Fantasy 16 to me is is like there there are problems with the story. I think it's it's pr- uh, presentation of of some female characters is is very weird, very wonky. But the like the combat is just it's just great fun. It's not really the hardest combat until you get to like the more tough. Kind of optional side bosses and um, again I've been doing optional side bosses I never do that in games these days because I'm just like well I may as well just finish it and I'll just do the main line but I find myself going off the beaten path to do these like little bits and like side quests and all that kind of stuff and a lot of the side quests again are pretty basic but I'm still enjoying doing them because I want to be part of that world like it is so good looking as well like mm. not just Clive like Clive's Clive, a good looking man uh... but Final Fantasy 16 as a whole is just like its presentation is is sensational, especially as I say, those boss fights and like the screen filling effects, and you just kind of go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love the combat in it, like the way that he kind of, when you defeat like a big boss, you kind of tear him with the terminology, you kind of take their like essence yeah. and then you can kind of do uh, attacks in their like kind of elements. themes. Yeah, elements, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. And yeah, Ben Star what a performance. Like, uh, I'm kind of like, he what seems guy? to be a great guy. Cool. I interviewed him before that came out and I thought he seemed really nice and now he's become a meme several times over for like I hope
0: one day I can interview Ben Starr yeah (laughs) shout
1: out if we mention him enough times he'll just appear in the room another one that I know you liked Mortal Kombat 1 I did yeah I mean, what, this, reeling off these games that came out this year so many good ones i
0: know right yeah and these these are like not ones that were necessarily featured in like the big game of the year con- like considerations as well for a lot of places and, and certainly the game awards as well you know but Mortal Kombat 1 wow what a game I uh, wasn't expecting to love it as much as i did uh i've been a Mortal Kombat fan since i was definitely too young to play Mortal Kombat obviously like aside from the fatalities and that i think it's just always been a cool universe with some really cool characters and they've done a better job like Neverrealm and and WB of building that up over the last few entries and they've just kind of really kind of built this kind of multiverse idea and this was the first game where it felt like they fully kind of took advantage of that. It was almost like the Into the Spider-Verse of (laughs) Mortal Kombat like they were pulling characters from goodness knows where and then like there's, there's some really fun kind of nods to older entries in the franchise but there's also kind of hints at what's coming and I've not really jumped into the seasonal stuff because as I say I kind of finished something and then I have to move on just for work but in terms of like what I played and, and finishing that campaign, it was the best Mortal Kombat camp sort of storyline that there's been, I think, in the franchise history and I loved uh, Mortal Kombat 10 as well and MK9. So, very high praise from me mm. for that and I'm not a huge fighting game fan. I love fighting games but I'm not, you know, the competitive type but, you know, I went to the launch event and I won a round of the tournament. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I got knocked out in the second round. But, you know, I could there's one win in there. <laughs> that's one that's the stat of the There's one win. But um yeah, what what a game. And and just not just the the way it handled kind of the mechanical side, but the way it just kinda of really delved into that multiverse idea. And I think that was something that I really enjoyed more than anything else, was just getting to spend more time with like new versions of characters that you know, because I think you know, it's, it's no secret, like, Mortal Kombat 1's idea is, like, after the last game, it was essentially a reboot. Mm. This was kind of, like, setting the table for what's going to come. Uh, and so you get, like, baddies and now goodies, goodies and now baddies, and, and you'd be surprised how much fun they have with that. And that's, it seems like such a simple thing, but it would be almost, almost like, you know, that would be the ending of uh, Across the Spider-Verse, you know, when you're like, oh, that's <laughs> how this world works. There's that, and then spread out across, like, a 10 to 12- a probably eight to ten hour campaign and you're like oh there's like constantly those moments where you're like I know them but I don't know them like that Like, so yeah
1: <laughs> I thought the graphics on that were amazing as well and uh, those fatalities I've, I've only really seen most of that I've, I've played a bit of it but I've mainly seen you know clips of the fatalities online and been like this looks amazing
0: <laughs> I want to get back into it because Omni Man's in it now yeah. from uh, Invincible uh, and I've only recently started watching Invincible and I'm like oh I can't wait to play as Omni Man <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, this is one we both played quite recently. Spider Man Two, great game. Quite, quite coming out of like a lot of the, you know, game awards end of the year stuff, not really featuring as much as yeah. people might have hoped. But I thought that was a great game. I gave it. Full marks.
0: Did you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. I I did enjoy Spider. So Spider Man uh, twenty eighteen is one of my favorite games, probably of all time. Actually, I just loved what Insomniac did with that universe, and Miles Morales was good as well. And I think I came into Spidey 2 expecting big things, and I love Venom as well. Like who doesn't really? You know, uh, even the Venom movies, I like those. <laughs> um, you found me. I'm the one guy. But I think my issue with it was uh, one of pacing. I think the first two thirds of that game are great, and they kind of like tried to sort of squish quite a lot in at the end you know the whole Venom thing and which you know we thought was going to be the main thing but actually arguably like Craven was probably more prominent throughout the story than the Venom and yeah
1: it's a bit of bait and switch kind of thing. yeah a little bit
0: um and obviously I won't touch on any spoilers but I think a big part of my issue with it and I've I mentioned to this to you off camera was I was so determined not to have anything spoiled for me I blitzed through that game I must push myself to play for it. And I was like, I need to do the next story mission. need to do the next story mission thinking I'll do the side quest later. It's only as I've gone back and I'm now doing the side quests, sort of that I've missed and, and mopping those up that I'm having a lot more fun in that world. And mm. I think if I'd kind of had that experience of interspersing it, I mean, I saw Spider-Man 2 spoilers literally within the first day of it being out. And I was like, come on, guys. Is there no is there no common courtesy here? Come on. Yeah, I'm sorry right. that I sent you this. <laughs> <laughs> I literally so so someone shared a screenshot. It was like this is who Venom is. In spite of oh, brilliant. Didn't know that. Thanks. Don't need to play it now, do I? So that that was kind of my thinking was like, well, I don't want anything else built for me. So I'm going to go head head down and basically just blitz through the game. And I think that was to its detriment to me personally. So that's it, the pacing issue may just be a me thing.
1: Mm. It could do a little bit more to encourage you, I think, to do other things in between because it kind of occasionally it will say. I'd better, you know, check up on the city while we wait for MJ <laughs> to call me back or whatever. And they kind of only need to do like one thing, like one, you can even do like one crime in the street. Yeah. Like stop one mugging and then it's like, okay, the next story mission is <laughs> yeah. ready now. And they could like encourage, but then people might be like, oh, the game's, you know, it's, uh, what's the Well, word? I think that was like what happened with like, 2018. I yeah. think there
0: was an element of like, you had to wait and do like three or four activities before the next story mission would open up. So I kind of get that, but at the same time, like it just felt like it was breathless, in a good way, but also in like a, oh my goodness me, like it's set piece after set piece after set piece. And some of the set pieces like, weren't that incredible. Like, so good. The, the, even the Lizard one that they showed at, was it PlayStation Showcase like yeah, a few yeah. months ago? Playing through it felt different. They just felt, and, and obviously it's extended in the game as well, and there's more to it. And yeah, I just, I was playing that that whole section and I felt like my jaw just kept being like, like yeah. that, as things constantly happen. I try not to spoil anything. <laughs> but like as as like the, the stakes got higher and various kind of action scenes are happening, and I just like that I think of all of my kind of memories of this year, that game has the most kind of blockbuster moments in it where I'm sat there like, wow, what a game. Yeah. Even though I had like my minor kind of nitpicks of it.
1: There's a good podcast called The Game Makers Notebook, which mm-hmm. is by Ted Price from Insomniac Games, and they he interviewed on there. Brian Intahar who is I think the the creative director on Spider-Man 2 and yeah that's a great listen if you want to hear more about like that stuff specifically because they were very much like wanting to make the boss battles bigger and more cinematic and more like they're trampling through the city rather than like we're we're in an obvious boss arena like make it more (laughs) like in a film they'd be blowing up the whole city kind of thing which I thought was really cool. Speaking of kind of characters that we know from from films and other media I also thought Jedi Survivor was a great game that's kind of been lost in the shuffle a bit as well because that was April or something that was quite early in the year it was early
0: yeah it was the trouble with Jedi Survivor was it came out I think like two three weeks before Zelda as well and I think that kind of like sucked a bit of the oxygen out of, of that kind of game of the year top discussion for, for Jedi Survivor I am only a few hours in <laughs> there's a theme here um, <laughs> but I love it I, I even just the intro mission on Coruscant just felt so far and beyond the scope of Fallen Order, which I recently started replaying because it's on Steam Deck, I know we, we're both Steam Deck owners, so they, you'll, you'll find this. You start replaying games that you've played because you can play them in your hands now. But with, with Jedi Survivor, I just found myself constantly being like, wow, wow, wow. And like so many moments in it. I'm only on like the third planet, I think. And there's already been like so many moments where I'm like, I rem- and and it's not just a recency bias thing. Like, I remem- I know I will remember that longer than I remembered any of the set pieces from Fallen Order. And Fallen Order was a great game, but Fallen Order also, I think, fell into that trap of it's a Jedi temple, it's Imperial's outpost, it's a swamp planet, and I think there was a snowy planet maybe uh, at one point as well. And it was kind of those very traditional Star Wars biomes. Whereas I think Jedi Survivors doing more exciting things around that, and also like Coruscant's a cool location isn't it like from the from the movies from the books from anything like Coruscant has always been like that cool place you want to sort of see in Star Wars and I thought like they explored that really well with that kind of like initial almost like a heist thing mm. and yeah if if you get a chance to play it I definitely even if you just play that first section I feel like you'd come away from that being like that's a good Star Wars thing like as far as Star Wars things go that was a good one <laughs> Yeah, I think
1: I think if even when you do get round to the rest of it I think you'll really like it because it has like quite a big emotional core to it as well and it ends up in some places you know physical places and like emotional places that are quite surprising and kind of things we haven't seen in Star Wars before and it kind of ties back into the High Republic era which is kind of like before even the prequels so yeah really cool kind of like expansion of what Star Wars can be and I gave that I only gave three things five star this year Uh, Jedi Survivor, Spider-Man and Zelda, mm-hmm. but I didn't. We had a freelancer. Shout out to Cole Luke who reviewed Baldur's Gate, and he really liked it as well. So that would that would be in the mix as well. But yeah, so many good games. We've actually still got a couple more that I've <laughs> wrote down. What a ridiculous year! <laughs> I know. This is. It. I think is it maybe slightly like a knock-on from COVID type thing of lots of games were uh,
0: kind, kind of stru-
1: struggled through COVID, and then yeah. now now this year they finally come out kind of thing. But uh one that I think is a you thing, Diablo. Don't oh yes. yeah.
0: I was playing it last night Nice. <laughs> I'm so close to finishing the campaign after dozens of hours at this point I love Diablo 3 but I came to it super late I didn't get to it until it was out on console already so for me Diablo is weirdly a console game whereas most people it's a PC game but I've been playing it on Steam Deck same. You know, shout out, shout out to Steam Deck. It's nice um,
1: on Steam Deck. It feels like...
0: so good, and it's just such a good game to sit and turn your brain off. It sounds like I'm damning it with faint <laughs> praise, <laughs> ever. If you need a game to watch while you're watching TV, or you know, your partner's got the telly or something like that, you just just Diablo on Steam Deck just feels so great, and like just playing through it, it looks great, it feels great to you. Like on on a controller, it just feels natural to me. Yeah. I Don't know, if, don't know about it yourself, but like, yeah, just like just whooshing feel, around. Yeah.
1: Do your big area of effect attacks, yeah. And uh,
0: you know, I've got my sorcerer build. It's pretty, pretty solid. You know, I'm pretty pleased with it. I I did start as a barbarian and then jumped out because I wasn't quite having as much fun. But I think I'm probably going to be one of those absolute mad lads that ends up having one of each character probably yeah. max leveled at some point in time, especially because it's on Steam Deck, because I'll just sit there and play it on there, like, as I say, when I, when I can't find time. Like, my Steam Deck is in my bag right now. <laughs> After this, play I'm going to go and get on a train and probably play <laughs> like, more games. So I think, yeah, at the risk of turning this into a Diablo on Steam Deck ad, I think Diablo 4 is just so dark and grungy and grim and... It's a little bit overwhelming at times. You're like, oh God, how many how many more like corpses can I see just like <laughs> positioned in awkward positions of the wall? But the core gameplay is just so good and I feel like they've since launch, they've definitely been tuning kind of the the effects. They've, they've been kind of balancing things, but also that loot grind, you know, that dopamine that I keep mentioning. You know, there's definitely a theme here of, like, me wanting to get on that loot treadmill and and get that new stuff. And I'm excited to do the seasonal stuff as well. I kind of promised myself, although you can skip the campaign now, I promised myself I want to finish the campaign. I want to get to the end of that. And then I'm going to start doing the seasonal stuff. So I'll probably do, like, a campaign skip on my other characters just to get to the season. Because I heard Season of Blood... Which is the second season? is really good, so I want to get around to that ASAP. Really, before it's gone. Nice <laughs> live service, eh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's how they get you. My only worry with Diablo is that, like, I'm kind of zoning out during the lore and the story stuff, and like, just let me get to the next room full of you know zombies to no, so tear yeah. through. But um, yeah, necromancer build is what I've gone for. Nice. And it's really fun. You can like control all these skeletons. Get the dead boys. Get the dead boys, to kind of doing your bidding, mm-hmm. and it's all these powers you can get to like. Uh, I could send, you know, one of my skeletal minions to attack you. I wouldn't, but I could. That would be really rude. But then I could like trigger them to explode, so it's like they become yeah. like an explosive. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah,
0: I, I'm very excited to try necromancer. I don't think I even tried necromancer in Diablo Three because they added that post-launch. as like a, a later upgrade that you kind of paid extra for. But yeah, I I never used it. I was always very keen on sorcerer, just flinging spells about. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: have you done Alan Wake Two at all?
0: I haven't, and I have a confession to make. I'm a bit of a fraidy cat. Um, and he says after the so, demonic horns yeah. of the previous <laughs> game Yeah, but that's different because you you viewed it from a top down perspective, and like if you see a zombie or something, you just set it on fire, don't you? With like a single button press. Whereas Alan Wake, from everything I've heard, is incredible. You know, our team are playing it, and they're they're like, oh my god, it's so good. Like you've got to play it. And then I was listening to this Triple Click podcast, with Jason Schreier, oh, yeah. Maddie Myers, and uh, Kirk Hamilton, and. I think one of them compared it to those old jump scare videos you used to get, you know, like the ones where it's like the car driving through the, the fields and all of a sudden something jumps up at the screen. Someone compared it to that and I was like, that's it, I'm out. I can't do that. I can't go through that again. I, you know, I live through that era of jump scares. I don't like jump scares in my games. I, horror movies, I love horror movies, but I just I don't do great with horror games. So um, Alan Wake is sadly one that's passed me by and it's been, I've had it installed. It's there to play, and I just cannot psych myself up to do it. And it's annoying because the musical number at the Game Awards was so good, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: they finally kind of because I think it came up out at the same time as something else. We didn't have enough people to review it at the time, but apparently the reviewers' guide for the game said, "Do not mention that it's got a musical level." We're trying to withhold that. Yeah, and I guess now they've gone, you know what? We're going to just we're going to we're going to set it free because people who have played it at launch have discovered that now, and that level is great as well. Yeah, the, the song is great, but actually being like. Because it it is a horror game, don't get me wrong, it does have jump scares. It does have bits where, like, you're basically doing, like, a walking simulator type thing. And And you're waiting for something. (laughs) And then, oh, my God, something's going to happen. But also it has these... I don't even know how to describe it. On, like, a conceptual level, some of the stuff they've done. Did you play the first one at all? No. So basically, the premise is Alan Wake is kind of like a Stephen King-like writer of, like, thrillers and and mysteries and spooky stuff. Uh, And he... In the first game, he goes to a kind of writer's retreat by this lake, and the lake turns out to be kind of cursed, basically, by this thing called the Dark Presence. Right. And um, it's kind of becomes a bit of like a parallel, kind of like Stranger Things upside upside down. down, There's like a kind of creepy version of the world. There's a real version of the world. They kind of meet in the middle kind of thing. And at the end of the first game... Slight spoiler alert. Uh, he, he kind spoiler of... <laughs> alert for a game that came out in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weirdly quite a new <laughs> game to me because I only played it during COVID. But yeah, at the end of the first one, he kind of gets sucked into the, the dark place. Yeah. And that's how he gets his wife out of it is for him to kind of sacrifice himself. And then so the second game is about all these years have passed and now you know the two worlds are kind of blending back together and Alan is potentially going to come back to the kind of the mortal realm. But some of the stuff they do to kind of quite make you question like which reality are you in what is reality how does the dark place actually works it becomes apparent that alan can basically it's kind of tied to his creativity as like a novelist it's like he can oh, okay. he can he i can rewrite the script he can like if he writes something oh, different okay yeah so it has this really cool mechanic which is one of like the best uses of like that ssd like speedy loading loading two versions of the same world it's kind of like Ratchet and Clank did. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be a bit of like you're kind of in one place and Alan will be like, that gives me some inspiration. And then like he can kind of go into his like mind palace and kind yeah. of change the story. And then you can kind of swap like instantaneously between like different versions of the same reality. Are you gonna make me play this? It's yeah, really cool from like a, a gameplay something. perspective, but I can't deny that it does have some scary moments. So. <laughs> and like some of the the baddies, they're not like they're kind of zombie-esque. But it's like people who have been possessed by the dark presence, basically. Yeah. And some of them are really creepy. They're, like The gameplay of it is really cool as well.
0: So I've got it on PC, and my PC is in a very dark office Ooh. where there is no one else in there. <laughs> and that's what's putting me off. That's of thinking, quite an immersive I, I, Alan Wake experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's my mind palace. Um, <laughs> but I feel like if I if I was playing it like on a lounge TV with all the lights on, I'd be fine, but in my dark office. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy it on PS5 or Xbox.
1: <laughs> I think that sort of solution is to buy it again, yeah. well, and then maybe play it. <laughs> this
0: podcast is getting expensive. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, in this immense year of video games, what would you say is your your personal game of the year?
0: Oh, I can't decide. You put me right on the spot there. <laughs> so, the, the, com- uh, the
1: company line is Baldur's Gate Three. Yeah, the
0: company the company line is Baldur's Gate Three, very closely followed by Zelda. I think for me, I might actually say Zelda myself because it was. As someone who had no affinity for Zelda, it was so good that I'm now like, oh, I wonder what the next Zelda's going to do. And I'm like looking up the timeline and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've just like become a, a Zelda super fan just from one game. Like, And there's so... Uh, did you know, Rob, there's other Zelda games. <laughs> I can go back and play the other ones. So I'm going to probably do that at some point over Christmas. So um, yeah, that'd be fun.
1: And Lloyd, has there been a kind of tech item this year that would be your pick? Yes. Is it the Steam Deck?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what gave it away? No, it's, well, th- yeah, I got my Steam Deck this year and it's been amazing. And then they released the OLED, so I'm a little bit upset about that, which I know you've been using, so we'll have to compare Steam Decks at some point. But yeah, so my my only issue I had with the Steam Deck was that I really wanted an OLED screen because I had the Switch OLED and now they've got one and now I just can't bring myself to buy another <laughs> so uh So I'm just going to kind of sit fire with my one for now until the eventual Steam Deck 2. Yeah, in however many
1: years. Yeah, I will say the Steam Deck OLED. It is a beautiful screen, but I think the main thing I love about the Steam Deck is that form factor, just being able to take that, take your Steam library, take it as far as the sofa, as far yeah. as the train, as far as, you know, it's the really office. Nice
0: of you to not make me feel sad about not having the OLED version. Thank <laughs> you, Rob. I really appreciate that.
1: <laughs> but it is good though. <laughs> Hello again, I'm just taking a quick break from the episode to tell you about the radiotimes.com gaming newsletter Stuffed with all the latest news reviews and explainers This free weekly email will really help you stay ahead of the game It'll arrive in your inbox every wednesday Highlighting all the releases you need to know about along with my genuine recommendations So if you're enjoying this podcast head over to radiotimes.com slash gaming newsletter to hear more from me every week And now back to the episode And, Lloyd, I've got some quick-fire questions for you to to guide us through to the end of this epic Games of the Year episode. First of all, in terms of your personal gaming preferences, console or PC?
0: More on PC recently.
1: Gaming chair or sofa? Gaming chair. PlayStation or Xbox? (sighs) PlayStation. Back in the day, Nintendo or Sega? Neither. Ooh. PlayStation. PlayStation, yeah. (laughs) Crash Bandicoot. Headphones or sound through the speakers? Uh, Headphones. Favourite game people should play over Christmas? Hitman Blood Bunny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have to get it in every podcast I appear on. Hitman Blood Bunny.
1: Because <laughs> you can wear a Christmas hat and everything. Yeah. And what's your go-to gaming snack and drink to surround yourself with?
0: Sugar-free Red Bull. It's terrible for me. I drink it really late at night, which is a terrible idea. And I don't really snack while I game. I like to have my hands clean for the controllers, the keyboard and that, you know. Yeah. You don't want to get any crumbs.
1: <laughs> I thought you have about a thousand things to say to this, but uh, which game you most rushing to to get home and finish at the moment?
0: Diablo I think, yeah I'm going to get Diablo finished and then I'm going to start straight up on the seasonal
1: stuff Nice, and if you could only have one more game for the rest of your life what game would you choose and why?
0: <laughs> Destiny 3 because <laughs> at this point I've put in so many hours, I may as well have another game like if it's going to be one last game that I'm going to put in thousands of hours into
1: quite interesting to us to pick a game that doesn't exist <laughs> oh, no. oh did
0: you I thought you meant like a new game
1: yeah right. uh, traditionally it's been you know games that people love and think they could spend forever with but I think it's quite hopeful Destiny 2 then yeah it's quite, <laughs> another quite hours optimism to be like this I think Destiny 3 is going to be the game I can play forever yeah uh, well Lord thank you so much for taking the time it's been such a pleasure
0: that's been great thank you so much
1: Thank you for listening to One More Life. For more from us, head over to radiotimes.com gaming. There you'll find all the latest news, reviews and guides that you need to know about. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your podcast app of choice. We'll be back on this feed soon with some more gaming goodness. And until then, happy playing.